The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, let's see. Lots and lots and lots going on. Uh, Friday, as you know, was Juneteenth. Uh, Juneteenth, I hope everyone uh, who observed uh, managed to have a fun, peaceful time with those they care about. Today is Father's Day. Uh, likewise, um, what? Uh, and there's a lot actually going on. Like two weeks ago, there, there was a little bit. Uh, there's a lot going on in hockey. We've got a good amount to talk about. Um, there's a lot going on with one team in hockey. Overall, oh, well, that team is a hot mess. Um, and we'll know. talk about them in a bit. But um, there's there we we've got stories from you know a dozen different or half a dozen different uh, NHL teams. So it's not like we're only going to talk about that one disaster uh uh that one disaster area okay then you tell me where we're starting because i'm confused i mean this is a where can we go uh how about we land smack dab in the middle of the country and talk about uh luke cunning of the minnesota wild um he, like uh, everyone else uh, or many, many other players, are getting ready uh, for the return to play. Uh, his case is a little bit different. Uh, he is a type 1 diabetic, um, which makes it uh, a little bit riskier uh, for him to be involved. Uh, diabetes is uh, a pretty – is one of the uh, is one of the conditions that's – well – higher risk uh, for the reason for the shutdown. Um, but he's not going to let it, him dissuade it. Uh, he's lived with this his whole life. Uh, and he's. Well, there are other hockey players that are, there are other hockey players that have dealt with this. I mean, Ryan Spooner and Jared Knight, if I'm not mistaken, both. Jared prospects. Knight. Uh, if you go way back, Nick Boynton uh, was a diabetic. Uh, there's one or two others. Um, mm-hmm. They're all skating around with with pumps attached to them. I mean, it it's not something that I don't see it as being a a barrier to him being able to play. I mean, it, well, that depends on who you ask. I mean, with the with uh, Austin Matthews having tested positive, which we'll talk about in a minute or two. Mm-hmm. There's I saw a lot a lot of outcry on Twitter about the NHL uh, not being responsible and they should shut everything down now uh, because they're putting thousands and thousands of lives at risk, despite the fact that we did the math and it's what, 600? 600. 600 is is multiple thousands. Okay. Uh, That must be uh, called for math or something. If you add zeros at the end randomly, sure. Oh, yep. okay. Uh, I I hadn't it, learned that trick. Um, see, you have six hundred as two zeros. If you just add another couple of zeros, you're at sixty thousand. So okay. I guess they're they're just adding zeros to let benefit. me write that yeah, down. It's a good idea. And of course, you know, I mean, the NHL is filled with you know elderly, unhealthy people, so the risk is just exas- yeah, exacerbated. I mean, 
these guys they have playing, I mean, you look at them, they're out of shape, slobs, and I mean, and there's what? what are they doing Three, on the four ice? Guys on each team with like walkers who go up and down the ice, and oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it, it, it's great to see people with that level of physical limitation uh, doing their best, but <sighs> some of those some of those uh, worried folks may be may be right. I mean. Really, is there anything more frightening uh, to behold than the tenuous health of a 24, 26-year-old professional athlete? <sighs> uh, that just mm, minuscule hold on good health and uh, you know an active lifestyle, uh, I, I can't imagine anything more fragile. I, I, yeah, I don't get it, but I... I, I, we've seen in the past it should this shouldn't be a barrier to him well, playing, and I don't know. In and of itself, it's uh, uh, the disorder really isn't a barrier, but the complications uh, should he contract uh, the disorder, those are pretty high. I um, the risk for that, even at his age, uh, and he's still counted as a prospect by some, um, is pretty high. Um. <laughs> But you know what? And the, I mean, he's the an adult. He's... he's aware of the issues, and he chooses to go out and I've do what it, works best for him. I mean, the quote here in the athletic article, it says, I've always took it upon myself to really be on top of it and to take care of myself and really put myself in the best position to play at my best and feel my best. Clearly, uh meathead of a puppy French bulldog named Rocco sat on his lap. How cute. Talking to my endocrinologist and the team doctors, team staff, they've always done a great job of helping me out in any way necessary with having type 1 diabetes and making sure I'm feeling comfortable in the right way. So after talking with all of them, I'm feeling really good and there's not many concerns at all for me. If he's saying that, he, like you said, he's an adult. He knows what he's doing. He's been informed by his by his doctors, by team physicians, by by experts that he's dealt with. He's making an informed decision. Wait, in that almost sounds like informed consent and uh, reason a reasoned approach to things. Um, yeah, yeah, that I know. That's how can I'm, anybody possibly I'm do that? I'm honestly a little confused and. I confess myself frightened at the same time. <laughs> an adult making an informed decision on their, their career? On their own. I mean, uh, like, yeah. not listening to the most scared person and loudest voice in the world, but simply making it <laughs> based on the facts. I mean, that's completely unheard of. Oh, and also making the decision for himself. And not demanding that other people be at least as equal, at least as afraid as they are. Yeah. I, I mean, it, what is this world coming to? I don't know, but adults making. Ooh, and I'm squeaking the chair again. My apologies, everybody. Uh, yeah, I just. And it says he. It says in China, most cases have occurred so far. People with diabetes have much higher rates of serious complications and death than people without diabetes. Hmm. Okay, but we already know that the disease, which shall not be named, affects people 
with compromised immune systems more so than people who don't. So we already knew that. Generally, yes, we, we believe generally believe that the more health conditions someone has, the higher their chance of getting serious complications from that which shall not be named. Which is which is unlike <laughs> any other disorder or disease that exactly. has affected mankind. <laughs> I mean, as someone with as someone with a chronic health disorder, I might have been aware since the disorder set in a very long time ago that this was the case. And, you know, people who have have to make these adjustments to their lives, uh, <clears throat> make these adjustments to their lives are very aware of the risk. And it's old and familiar, like, well, a favorite pair of sneakers that doesn't fit quite right anymore. Uh, but you wear them anyways, uh, because, well, they're the easiest ones to get on in the house. And, uh, sometimes you're just in a hurry. But he, and, but Luke goes on, it says he isn't worried. He goes on whether this pandemic was going on or not, you've got to face some harder things and some more difficult times to take care of yourself than others. Obviously, I'm going to do everything in my power, and I know the doctors and the team will as well, to make sure that they, we don't get there, that we do all the right things to make sure I'm staying healthy along with all the other players so we don't have to get to that point. It's kind of one of those things that, <clears throat> if I get sick, we'll just have to get around it. I've always taken good care of my blood sugars, and I'm trying to do all the right things in that aspect to make sure that's not a concern. The kid's 22, and he sounds pretty well advanced for his age. <laughs> As far as what he thing. wants, what he he's he's not doing this blindly. No, he's not doing it blindly, and he's made a reasoned, informed choice based on actual facts, and he's making it for himself and not for others. He's not saying that every other player uh, with uh, with diabetes or with some underlying condition needs to do things exactly his way. He said uh, he goes on to say, you know, there's a lot of things you can't control or I'm paraphrasing. There's a lot of things you can't control, but you just have to deal with. And that's 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 real life. Um, I couldn't I certainly didn't predict this coming. Um, I don't know anyone who did, uh, certainly not in this level, in any level of detail, but. Can anyone re? I mean, we're just going to leave that one alone. I'm glad that he's making the okay. steps, ne- taking taking the steps necessary to keep himself healthy while still doing what he loves. Um, and yeah. I, I wish him all the best. I mean, I've I've liked the Minnesota Wild since they came into the league, despite some really unlikable teams and occasionally unlikable players. Um, there's always been a couple of guys on that team worth watching. Yeah. Uh, an enjoyable team. Unfortunately, they've struggled the last couple, three years with uh, goal scoring, particularly in the playoffs. Uh, and he's got some teammates that are, that are making serious strides too. And they don't mention it in anywhere in this one. Cause they, I mean, they mention his line mates, but I mean, he's playing with uh, Parise and whoever, but one of his teammates that's 
doing that, that's having a, a better season is is Kevin is Kevin Fiala. Yeah, he was turning it on when this thing went pause. Every time I put every time I put a game on and they were the late game or whatever on it on NBC Sports Network, Fiala's scoring a goal. I mean, it the will guy be was, it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, unleash that again once uh, the season uh, resumes. The, uh, assuming what, it does, <clears throat> what he's what he's doing in Minnesota, what he's doing in Minnesota is what Nashville was hoping he would do for them when they when they drafted him. So. Uh, now I mentioned Austin Matthews a minute or two ago. You um, did. Austin Matthews is the latest or one of the latest to test positive for uh, the disease, and um, based on the way that some people have reacted uh, on social media, you would think that this is way way worse than what he was accused of. Uh, last year, uh, or at the start of the season, this, those charges were eventually dropped. But um, really, how bad is this? That he tested positive? Yes. Uh, he's the only, as far as I know, he's the only name that's been released. I mean, and and that that alone leads me to question what the NHL is trying to pull or, or who, I don't know who's behind it, but I haven't heard of any other names. I mean, they've said that two players tested positive in Boston. Yep. Never and once was a name mentioned. None of the Penguins players who have tested positive were named. Um, so why are we hearing been, about what, 11 it? 11 players. Total? Is it because, is it because Austin Matthews is the, 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 I don't want to superstar isn't a word, but is he the most high profile player to have tested positive? And that's why they're putting him out there. Sounds like it. Okay. I figured as much. I mean, it, they, I can't think of a reason to put someone else's name, put someone's name out there. Um, if it's not because you feel it's going to be great for your media organization. I just can't find a reason. See, the thing is, he's he's in Arizona, where he's from. Yeah. Now, this is true. over the last week or so, the all the biggest spikes have been in the southern states and some of the western states. The Northeast, we've had you know we've dealt with it up here, New York, New York, Massachusetts. Um, New Hampshire on a much lesser scale, but well, we've dealt with it up here. We down south, they didn't experience the 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 numbers that we were having, and I don't think that they took all the precautions that they that we did up here in the Northeast. Well, here's the thing: um, if you look carefully at the maps for where uh, the outbreaks were, yes. They're all top cities for uh, international travel. I've been saying uh, that all along. It was expected that it was going to be New York, Boston, L.A. They're all Seattle. port cities. Yeah, yeah. They're all port cities, and even to even to a le- to a lesser extent, yes, Michigan because they're a port city on Lake Superior. 
On so Lake Superior got, plus Detroit and Chicago are still two of the busiest airports in the world. Exactly. Um, so Chicago wasn't a surprise. Detroit wasn't a surprise. None of these locations were surprises to me that they were the largest outbreak numbers. And at all. The, so with these with these shutdown, I think it just slowed the disorder getting to other parts of the country. It clearly didn't stop it. Um, even here, we're still seeing new cases, but we're mostly seeing new cases. Um, because they're testing more, though. Oh, I mean, the level of testing now versus even a month after the lockdown started, it's just not comparable. I mean, you're talking an order of magnitude uh, in the same way that the 600 players and staff are thousands of people uh, at risk, according to uh, some. So now that now that we have a a high profile face to put with. Uh, that which shall not be named. Um, is there outcries of shut down the NHL and the season now? Oh, uh, absolutely, there are. Um, I personally think that those outcries are not worth listening to. I, I understand that they're a that for. I understand that there are people at severe risk for the disorder. Um, I'm at severe risk for a couple of things. Do you know what I don't do? Worry about them. More or, importantly, or... I don't indulge in the things that are I'm, I'm at severe risk for. Okay, there you go. I make a rational, informed decision based on facts, and I don't... Wait, wait. We just talked about a player that does that. No, I And I don't insist that other people live under exactly the same conditions that apply to me. Players entering these facilities for voluntary training have been subject to mandatory testing. Through today, in excess of 200 players have gone multiple testing. A total of 11 of these players have tested positive. That's a wave, by the way. A wave, yes. It's a wave of players. Um, 11 11 out of 200, what's that, 5%? Um, just about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's with some, and that's clearly with some, uh, false positives as we saw with the Boston player who tested positive and then tested negative twice. Um, it's, it's a situation that still has more ambiguity than, uh, than straight up hard back. It's also not, it's also not confined strictly to the NHL. There have been players testing positive in every single sport. Yep. As they get ready to start up their seasons again. Or the new season in the case of the NFL. Or the new yes, and women's national basketball. Yeah. Uh unfortunately People are going to contract it. We can't completely, unless we all do live in individual bubbles and we don't have any way. But if you can breathe, that means you have to have access to the air outside. Yeah. There's no real way to. There is no way to eliminate 100%. 
There is no way to eliminate the risk. It's just the way it is. Um, and I, I asked the question somewhat, uh, well, I asked the question, is this worse than what he was accused of last year? And the answer is obviously to any rational mind, even allowing for the charges having been dropped. Um, no, absolutely not. If you're just doing your grocery shopping and if 100% compliance with social distancing and all of that, you still have a solid risk of getting uh, mm. the disorder. Period. Yeah. Um, it, and it, at some point, it's going to. It, at some without point, a vaccine, again, it's going to hit everyone. It's going to hit it. The, the the flu hits everyone. People contract it. They still go outside. They still do their shopping. They still go to events. They still, at some point this is gonna all we're gonna get back to the normal we remember and not this quote unquote new normal. But anyway, the, now we're getting off topic. Uh, yes, we are. So instead of talking about uh, the global disaster or. Um, Let's talk about one that's much more localized. <laughs> okay. Um, before the show, we were talking about uh, dumpster fires, a nuclear tire fire in Buffalo, New York. Um, every oh. time I think that, that team can get no zanier to uh, quote Haas. The Buffalo Go. Sabres, the Buffalo Sabres are a flaming dumpster fire of an NHL organization that hasn't qualified for the Stanley Cup playoffs in a decade and hasn't won a playoff series since Daniel Briere was a 95 point scorer in the NHL. Stop now. Full stop right there. Full stop. There and are the- people who have been watching <laughs> the NHL for almost their entire lives or their entire lives who have never seen the Buffalo Sabres win a playoff round. Uh, um, there are some that probably couldn't tell you who Daniel Briere is. Exactly, because he's been out of the league for <laughs> what, a, close to a decade at this point? I believe so. I'd have to look it up. Um, but it has been a while. I mean, that was Daniel our- Briere is now 42. Um,. That was that was the intro from our our our, our buddy Joe Haggerty here in Boston on NBC uh, Sports Boston. No, he's uh, Danny Breer has only been out of the league five years. He was with Colorado his last season oh, wow. and played fifty seven games and did not a great deal. Did not uh, a great deal. Excellent. Uh, and that ninety five points was yes the highest of his career in the two thousand six two thousand seven season. 13 years ago. So realistically, there are adults able to vote in the U.S. right now today who are unable to remember a time when the Buffalo Sabres won a playoff round. Uh, Yeah, so apparently Terry and Kim Pagula, who own not only the Sabres, but also the Buffalo Bills, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. But they decided to clean house after 
telling Jason after giving Jason and it's my favorite thing whenever an owner gives a vote of confidence to a GM clearly they should start cleaning out their office because I've These never heard I've never heard a vote of confidence given by an owner that led to the general manager actually sticking around long so yeah. it, it, but yeah they gave him like three weeks ago they, they said they weren't going to replace him he's not going anywhere uh, yeah, except that he and about 22 other people, because they fired not only him, but also the assistant GM, Steve Greeley and Randy Sexton, and they gave 20 other people their pink slips in management and scouting. You did so, say scouting needed a, uh, I have, a refocus <laughs> and possibly retooling. I um, did. I did. I didn't realize the Pagulas were listening. <laughs> hi, Terry. Hi, Kim. Hey, uh uh, Buffalo Next is time now you're gone actually through. looking for an assist- assistant GM, I, I am available. Um, I, I would only be in Buffalo part-time, though. I have to read this sentence. Buffalo has now gone through a head-shaking. Six head coaches, 14 presidents, three GMs, and a partridge in a pear tree. And they, they haven't are... made the playoffs even a single time during that hot, fallow hockey period in Buffalo. They have uh, become the Haggety's, poster child. Haggety dysfunction- found himself at the source, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> they have become the poster child for dysfunctional NHL franchises. For a while, it was the Edmonton Oilers, but they're about to make the playoffs for the second time in the past five or six years. They still need to learn how to draft. They're still defense, a mess. Okay. <laughs> they're still a mess, but they're no longer a complete disaster. The Ottawa Senators have apparently taken away uh, Eugene Melnick's Twitter uh, account, which is somebody, somebody, whoever it was that handcuffed him needs to handcuff the president. But again, off topic, Uh, way (laughs) off topic. We do not discuss politics. I wasn't discussing politics, just the tweeting that needs to stop. Um, But yeah, Melnick, Melnick has been quiet, which we're very grateful for. I mean, honestly, it makes for great. It makes for great content because it's generally completely ridiculous, and we even stre- even stretching it is completely pointless. Um, uh, because what he says, yeah, it, it's that ridiculous. Yes, but, but they're actually doing. What I was mean, that seven executives and a bunch of head coaches in six, a seven-year period? Who for Buffalo? Yeah, six head coaches, fourteen presidents, three GMs. Yeah, so seven executives, six head coaches. <laughs> that that would be thirteen impact positions in your organization. Arguably, the two most critical, uh, the two and three, the two to three most critical positions in your organization in seven years. That's just about two per year for those who are even more math efficient than me. Um, okay, that's a spectacular mess. And that's that doesn't even account for the players of high quality that they've lost in that time. Robin Leonard, no longer there. One of the yeah. four or five best NHL goaltenders uh, right over the last three or four years. Um, Vander Kane, no longer there. Him and Eichel were special to see because each of them is a legit... Mm, We'll just loosely throw it out there as probably top 10 offensive talent at their position. Mm -hmm. Um, And you put two players like that together, 
even if their styles are a little bit differently and a little bit different because, you know, Evander Kane is a whole lot more physical. Jack Eichel is simply smooth. I mean, that dude is velvet on skates. Um, but they made things happen. Jeff Skinner, they picked up. He's been good when he's been healthy, but eh. Um, yeah. And they've still, after seven years, not developed a defense that's worth naming. Yes, I understand you need to draft and develop. How many times, whether uh, on uh, in writing or on the show here, have we said the NHL defensemen who develop best have on-ice mentors who were at least above-average defensemen? Don't have to be a Hall of Famer to be a great mentor, but you need to be someone above average on the ice to impact and develop young defensemen. Yeah. Coaches co- coaches cannot do it themselves. They do not have the focus on individual uh, opposing players that a someone else playing the def- position right now does. Someone who played in the league 25 years ago cannot tell you what it looks like half a second before Sidney Crosby makes a spectacular pass from ice level, you know, somewhere along the somewhere between the dots. They can't tell you what it's like to be run over by um, Alex Ovechkin as he's as he's heading uh, towards the net. Um, They can't. They probably can't tell you what the tell is for Evgeny Melkin or Patrice Bergeron when they're about to fake a pass and then go around you Um, or any one of a hundred thousand other things that happen right at ice level. And you need to focus your front brain on stuff that your hind brain has already picked up in the past that knowledge transfer is huge and the Sabres have failed spectacularly to enable their young defensemen by failing to get a useful veteran defenseman to help them. I I completely agree with, with all that. It's, you can't ask. It's funny because you can't ask, you know, you got this, this, this kid in Jack Eichel, who's you're expecting him to resurrect uh, this team. But how do you expect? Yeah. How do you expect a 20-something-year-old to take the reins and to guide the team to winning seasons when, outside of Boston University, he hasn't experienced anything except, or or since Boston University, he hasn't experienced anything except frustration and losing he even quotes it says listen i'm fed up with losing i'm fed up and i'm frustrated uh it's definitely not an easy pill to swallow right now it's been a tough couple of months it's been tough five years with where things have gone i'm a competitor i want to win every time i go out on the ice i want to win the stanley cup every time i start a season i'd be lying if i said that i'm not getting frustrated with where things are going Okay. I'm definitely not in the greatest place with where the last little bit went, and it's definitely worn on me. 
he's he, you're burning out the the one true bright star that that team has left. I but mean, Rasmus Dahlin is Rasmus Dahlin's on the rise. Yes, he's a good defenseman. He's a very good defenseman. Uh, but the way they've turned on Rasmus Ristolainen in the last couple of years, you burnt him out, too, in Buffalo. And that he's I mean, he's the case in point for a guy who had all the talent in the world who went out there and put Still it on does. the line every game and is getting nothing from it because they he's, keep forgetting the second of the two D's that make up uh, developing defensemen. It's not merely draft. There is another word there. I don't know. Develop. Yes. Yes. That one. You brought this kid in, you started him, Ristolainen, and you never gave him help. Or if you did, it was fleeting for a moment. You brought in somebody at a deadline. There has not been a one through six in Buffalo since bringing in Ristolainen. There hasn't yes, been a one through six in Buffalo's probably since Briere was above average. Because you burnt, so you burnt him out. Now you complain because he's the, as they've said, the worst defenseman in the league. And yes, he had the worst plus minus. Well, when you're out there 26 minutes a night, 25 minutes a night, and you're With the only defending, and you're the only defenseman out there, and everybody else is sitting there going, uh, "Where's the puck?" Uh, he's gonna have the worst plus minus in the league. Find him a mentor. Find well, him. Well, not no. just him. Find the a mentor defense for, a mentor. Yes. You need a mentor for Darlene. You need a mentor for – you need somebody. And I thought that Phil Housley was that guy. But as head coach, he doesn't have the time to sit with one aspect no. of the team. As a head coach, your job is to prepare 20-plus guys. Not one. 20 uh, – you need to I mean, prepare everyone like, who's actually going to take the ice – plus the backups in case someone, I don't know, falls down getting out of a cab and breaks their thumb and is going to be uh, off the ice for a couple of weeks. I made the mistake of thinking that because Phil Housley did such an amazing job, and anybody who wants to argue with me, yeah, don't bother. Phil Housley controlling that defense in Nashville, uh, defense is was ridiculous, still is somewhat ridiculous. But yes, they, I understand they had Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi, uh, Shea Weber, Seth Jones. Uh, but you've also got um, uh, number 14. I can't think of his freaking name. I could see their numbers. Um, yeah, it's not going to come to me. Uh, the defense down there, and Phil Housley ran that defense like a machine. And I thought this guy needs to be, just like I did with Dougie Huda. I thought Dougie Huda should be a head coach too here in Boston. At some somebody was going to give him the opportunity. I think he was smart enough to realize either he hasn't been offered the job or he's just been smart enough to not take any because he's good at what he recognizes that he's good at what he does. I think Housley wanted the opportunity. He got the opportunity from Buffalo. Oops, probably not the first place I would have chosen either. Um, but he's back being he's back being an assistant and running defense again for I believe it's Vegas. Um, and that that makes uh, that makes uh, for an interesting pairing because uh, that defense is 
when they uh, in their first year, everyone on that team was firing was punching above their weight class. It it's just facts. Um, it was spectacular to watch, but they regressed a little bit over the next uh, pair of seasons. And if he can get the defense on that team playing better especially where a lot where those guys have more experience playing together, more NHL experience period. Uh, they might become the most dangerous team in the West. Now, um, you talked to, we talked about this at the time of the hiring. You were much more in favor of it than I was. Ralph Kruger was out of the NHL for how long? I didn't think they should bring Ralph Kruger in. <laughs> the, the, okay. I think we should go this back is a and guy, a couple shows. This is a guy who was running this is a guy who was running a team over in England in the premiership and had nothing to do with hockey. Um but, I thought they should have given Housley a little bit longer to try and work with the team. I did that too. And this is my issue with I say it every week it seems like if you're not going to give the guy the chance to actually succeed, then why bother bringing him in? I well, I mean, is three is three years enough time for Botterill? I mean, House didn't get three years, but well, Botterill got three years. Is that enough time for a GM to make the necessary changes? I think the issue here is that there hasn't been any change. He's lost Leonard. He's lost Kane. He brought in Skinner, which, it, yeah, Skinner, it improved Skinner's stats. He, he had really good offensive numbers last season. But as far as team situation is concerned, they haven't moved the needle. They, they show excitement and they show promise until the middle of November. Yeah, it seems like as soon as the last leaf falls, they're done for the year. They they come out of the box flying high and they do the you know and, and suddenly they're they're the number one team in the East and they're there for a couple three weeks and everybody's like oh my God the Buffalo's finally back and then by Christmas it's like no missed it again yeah <laughs> I, seriously it, so I understand I guess if you look at it from that standpoint yeah Botterill hasn't moved the needle and. <laughs> then you need to find somebody else. I mean, the guy that they're replacing him with is, uh, I want to say it's Kevin Adams, who is... Does it even matter? I just worry that this guy's the next guy to be burnt out. I I, I ask this question seriously. It doesn't even matter. They've gone through seven executives or uh, GMs and presidents in what seven years of ownership? So then, how far do you have to tear it down? I mean, do the Pagulas have to sell the team to somebody else? Uh, I mean, they need to find a president of hockey operations and walk away. Like, pay the bills, set a financial standard, and walk away. I'm not saying they need to sell the team, but. That many executives going through in that short a period of time is 100% an ownership issue because they're either unable to evaluate talent 
or unable to allow people to make decisions for them. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like they do not know how to delegate. Um, and if you can't allow a professional to be a professional, do it yourself. If you really genuinely believe that none of these people are going to be as good at their jo- at the job of general manager slash president as you are, put on the hat yourself, show up to all the meetings, uh, do the scouting, uh, wander onto the stage and make the call, um, do the do the uh, post game press conferences, uh, the weekly uh, radio junket, um, do do the job. Don't half ass it. Do the job. Yeah. I I don't know what else to say. I, if I were given the opportunity to – if Melnick and the Pagulas both came to me and said, we, we want you as GM of our, of our operations, I'd be, I'd be going to Ottawa. And we've said it before. That's Ottawa, terrifying. <laughs> we've said it before, though. Ottawa is actually a team that looks like – it looks like they're on the rise. I mean, the moves that that Dorian has made, and and I'm not a huge fan of Pierre Dorian. I'm, I I don't dislike him, but not a huge fan. There are other GMs out there. I think that seem to be a little bit more savvy. But some of the moves that he's made, the the that have brought back draft picks, and I mean, they got Good Branson from from uh, Vegas for Mike Stone, along with. A handful of things. Mark Stone, Mike Stone. I can never remember which Mark one it Stone. is because there's both. Mark. That one's Mark. Okay. Uh, they've got decent young talent in 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 Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat on defense. Um, clearly, I mean, one of the guys that we like in Duclair. Uh, they've got they've got foundations to build on. Yes, goaltending. And, and and I'm a huge thing. I'm a huge pundit of, of building from the back and having that solid goaltender. How much longer can Craig Anderson do it? Uh, best goal, best bad team goalie there is in the NHL. That should be a Hall of Fame uh, category <laughs> because without exaggeration, the man would be it. I mean, um, is, is Hogberg uh, is what they're looking for in the future? Uh, yeah. I mean, just they as a comparison, still... just as a comparison between Ottawa and Buffalo, and yes, I I would probably make the same choice if uh, Melnick and the Pagulas showed up at my door and said, "Hey, we listened to your show. Uh, we're thinking of making a change." Um, I would say, "Okay, I have two, I have rules, and I basically already stated them, um, and I'm in place for four years." That's my deal. You can pay me anything you want. That's at least 150% above the average uh, for the city uh, the team is in. And that's it. Uh, the, uh, the average income. And I will go do the job, but stay out of my way. Just as a comparison, do you know how many picks the Buffalo Sabres have in the first two rounds this year? Or in the first three rounds this year? Seven. Two. They have two. Uh, uh, do you know how many picks the Ottawa Senators have in the first three rounds this year? The first three rounds? Isn't it like some crazy ridiculous number, like nine or 11 or it's something? It's nine. It's, it, it's <laughs> nine. 
They have their pick, the Islanders pick, a a Sharks pick. So uh-huh. in the first round, they're going to get, with the Sharks being who they were this year, they're probably getting a top 10 pick, top 5 pick. Go ahead and buy them. They're going to get two, like, picks in the mid-teens, 20s, okay. uh, their own and the Islanders. Round two, their own pick, the Jackets pick, the Stars pick, and the Islanders pick. And then round three, just their own and just Winnipeg's. <sighs> they're they're going home. They, at minimum, just in the first three rounds this year, they should end up with three NHL players. And they still have four more picks in the rest of the first round. <laughs> and as of right now, they have five picks in the first three rounds for next year. So Botterill's not going to – well, not only has he been fired, he's not going to get nominated for GM of the year anytime soon. Uh, actually, no. Uh, Kevin Adams, who's up actually, in uh, – Kevin Adams has now got to take over this, uh, as as it's called, a dumpster, dumpster fire. And he is five full days into his tenure. Uh, we wish him well in uh, 17 months and three days when he's – uh, packing his office back up and and leaving um, unceremoniously. I just feel bad. This guy's being. I, I mean, this is literally the definition of being thrown into the deep end. Oh, one hundred percent. I like. I mean, it, it, this isn't. The, 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 this isn't. Uh, you know, slip the floaties on your arms first. No, no, no. Somebody just picked him up and threw him in. There's no flotation devices that, that are uh, – you you are now you are now the guy that has to save this franchise, somehow have to convince Eichel that uh, – aside from the fact that he has a contract, you know, convince Eichel that he actually wants to wants play to stay. here. Wants to play. Wants to play in Buffalo. Uh, and that's that another do. part of the article that I took issue with uh, on reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing. I, I may be a little bit math deficient. I will never claim it as a top five skill. Uh, but the idea that the Boston Bruins, without, well, neutering themselves, could fit Jack Eichel into their pay structure, particularly since the uh, salary cap is almost certain to go down the year after next. Um, just based on lost revenue from this year and possibly next year as well. Um, yeah, the math on that one, a little bit suspect. Well, the, 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 the article, um, are we referring to Mr. Haggerty's article on, Eichel? on the best opportunity to get him to date or whatever, however it's phrased, it might not be that article. Eichel, um, well, this one's could Sabres dumpster fire turn into Jack Eichel opportunity for Bruins. Uh, now, the interesting thing here is that, yeah, no, there is nothing interesting because you'd have to move prospects, draft picks, and you'd have to give current 
You're going to have to give up current players. They're going to want Jake DeBrus. They're probably going to want John. And it they're, says they're all that in this article, too. Or, and or, what's his name? Um, uh, they're probably going to want... John uh, no, no, no. Uh, think higher salary. <laughs> John Moore makes 2.75. There's not a whole many more salaries higher than that, except for forwards. Are you going to want Grizzy? Uh, he doesn't, they might he want, doesn't make they that might, much yet. They might want Charlie. Um. Okay. See, but now you're now you're exciting me for the deal. Stop. They they may well say they want Charlie McAvoy. All right. Uh, bye bye. Jeremy Lozon can come up and play. Bye bye. Um. It's not. And it's not I that I don't like Charlie for those of you out there, but yeah. Bye bye. Can you even for even for a talent of Jack Eichel's, even for a local kid, can you see Don Sweeney and Cam Neely tra- trading Charlie McAvoy? Uh, no, because they picked him at number fourteen, and we're not gonna we're not gonna be. Um, it's just not gonna happen. Giving up on that, yeah. No, it's not. They they see this kid as. I don't know. Some they kind of quarterback for the power play. If they're going to they do that, though, they need to recognize Tory Krug. So. Oh, absolutely. They genuinely believe, though, that he is a top 20% or higher NHL talent. Do they believe that he's like top five defenseman in the league? I don't know. And if they do, I sincerely hope they never actually say it in public. But it does say here, and and quoting Joe here, if you're Don Sweeney, why not pick up the phone and see if the latest Sabres GM is looking to clean house with the roster as well? Latest Sabres GM. I do like that phrase. Um, (laughs) And it's certainly fitting of their level of... uh, I mean, you kind of wonder if the office door just has like a smudge from like tape uh people's names being taped there up is, and like handwritten is, okay this is where your mistake is i figured it out you think there's actually a door on the office there isn't it's one of those little rotating roundabout things that they have at like at the fair oh one of those nice little turnstiles yeah turnstile that's the word i'm looking for thank you they have a turnstile it's not a door it's a turnstile it certainly appears. And that what way. happens is, as opposed to buying tickets to go through the turnstile, in this case, the Pagulas are walking through the crowd, handing out tickets to anybody that'll take them, and then you get to go through the turnstile. <laughs> I, I didn't have that inside information. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. Um, uh, this paragraph, certainly the Bruins would need to pull off some seismic moves to accommodate a move for Eichel. It would start with trading high-grade young assets. Duh. Not going to happen. Like promising young Michigan center and former first-round pick John Beecher, that's what I said, and restricted free agent winger Jake DeBrusque. Just no. Just no. All the knows. But then it – All the knows. You don't want me to, to validate your feelings here? It says perhaps you don't get out of an – Earth-shattering Eichel deal without including a young D-man like say Connor Clifton. Uh, they do not list Connor Clifton here. No, 
There are only two only two defense names that are listed in this particular paragraph. Oh, Brandon Carlo has got to be one of them. It is. And the other one is your boy, Charlie. uh, Definitely, because I have been his champion from day one. (laughs) Like, when when he hit, like, the perimeter of the draft outlaw, his his godparents actually called me up and resigned in my favor. Hey, multitude of years ago, called it before the draft started, said the Bruins were going to draft um, uh, Malcolm Subban. Yes, couple yes, we did. A couple Actually, years we ago. we were both talking about that. Oh, that's what I'm saying. We were. A couple years ago when they drafted Charlie, we both said uh, that – they were going to end up drafting this kid from B because he's from BU. They could keep an eye on it. And lo and behold, they drafted Charlie because he was still there at 14. There were other players that we wanted in that draft. And Charlie was not one of them. At some point, we should go back and look at some of those other players because <laughs> it should be fascinating. Uh, yeah. So – I don't – it's not going to happen. It, it, I mean it's a nice piece from Joe. It, he lays out his plan here sort of kind of. I mean Jack Eichel is $10 million until the heat death of the universe. Yeah, he's and got what, an eight-year deal or something? The heat death of the universe, yeah. Um, and that is not only – that is hands down uh, the highest uh, – that is uh, two and a quarter million more than David Krejci, who has the highest contract at present on the Boston Bruins. So you'd have to find uh, somebody to take his deal, his contract. Um, on top I, of trading the picks and everything else to Buffalo. So realistically, we would probably have to trade Krejci. I think Carolina might be a decent fit. Uh, he has his summer offseason home uh, down there. Um, okay. Assuming they would do it. Um and there's good reasons for them not to, even even if it's only for one year. Um, you're you're almost certainly giving up on uh, McAvoy or if it were the choice between either McAvoy or Carlo. Bye bye McAvoy. Yeah, bye bye <laughs> bye bye Charlie. I, I think Brandon is just uh, Charlie's offensive defenseman. Brandon Easy. is. And that's he, what he's believed he's believed to be. I mean, he, McAvoy has played, what, three seasons in the NHL at this point? Uh, is, this is his third, I believe. Yes. Um, third season. OK. Yeah. Um, his highest point total was this year at 32, which certainly isn't anything to sneer at. Um Uh, but is that really a is that really what it takes to be considered like a top tier offensive <clears throat> defenseman in the NHL this year or in the last three to five years? I guess his argument would be that he doesn't get to be the number one quarterback on the power play. Uh, except that Krug has missed enough time that there was time to steal that position. Uh, if uh, if you were able to, I mean, you look at you want to look at Tory's first 
full season, he had only 40 points. Only 40, yeah. Um, so looking at the last three seasons totaled. And then 44. I mean, Torrey has improved since. I mean, that's the key here is that Torrey has improved. He started out his first full season, 40 points, slipped back one to 39, then went to 44, 51, 59, 53, and that was 50, uh, and then 49 this season. I'm not saying that Charlie, I'm not trying to make the argument for Charlie. I'm saying that coming out of BU and what the Bruins saw in him, he is another offensive defenseman. He's an offensive defenseman. In the last three seasons, in the last three seasons, where do you think he ranks for total offense uh, uh, from defensemen? Is he top five, top ten? Oh no, top thirty. I don't even. I don't even. I'm not even sure that he's probably like top fifty, maybe. Uh, he is forty sixth. I just said top fifty. Thank you very much. Um, if you, uh, that's total offense, you know, not count, not points per game. Um, just total, total points. Um, if you're going with points per game, he's, mm, he's been at, uh, half a point per game, uh, across his career, which is solid. I mean, there's no denying that that's, that's definitely above the league average. Uh, um, but even there, he's you know for he's tied with uh, Matt Donovan. Well, Matt Donovan only played. There's a, he's tied with a bunch of guys. He's in the 40s. Okay. Um, that's not. And on, or let me just filter. Uh, let me just do a quick filter on this. I forgot to. Uh, we'll <laughs> okay. call it. We'll just call it guys who have played 95 games or more in that three years, which is a low number, um, but it's more than a full season. Uh, For guys who have played 95 games or more, um, he is tied with Aaron Ekblad, Jake Gardner um, in points per game total uh, at half a point per game. I, I I think it's safe to say that he is absolutely better defensively than Jake Gardner. Um, versus Aaron Ekblad, okay. Ekblad is played what fifty more games. Um, he's almost double the amount of goals um, in that time, and still has a solid plus minus, which is a iffy stat at best. Uh, but here's the thing, McAvoy has McAvoy only has well, eleven of his eleven of his goals across three seasons have been uh, power play goals. In the same amount of time, same amount of seasons, Aaron Ekblad has scored twenty seven. Um, neither one of them is really putting up offensive numbers at. Uh, So you, Add even you, strength. you've chosen to completely just not listen. I, I didn't say he's the top offensive but defenseman here's the in the thing. league. He, he's he, not is that consi- he is he's considered. considered an offensive defenseman. And if I'm going to keep either him or Carlo, I'm going to keep Brandon Carlo because there is 
more Brandon Carlo is a more well is a well-rounded defenseman. He doesn't score as much. And and now I'm now you're gonna make me look up his numbers too, so I can. Oh no, they're nowhere near as high. He's not offensively in the same Thank in you. the same breath as the other as Krug and uh and McAvoy. He has or 19 points this season, whereas Charlie has 30 whatever 32. I, but I'm keeping Carlo. Size every time uh, ability Literally every I'm time keeping Carlo. Uh, all of that said, yeah, the, there's no way you're moving Eichelow out of Buffalo. That uh, the package would have to be ridiculous, and and it, when you when you've moved everything you need to to make to pay the price and to make uh, salary cap room, are you a better team? My and answer, that, and that's the thing is, no, you're not. Now you've moved on from pieces that. It, there is something to be said for team chemistry. If you move on from a David Krejci, who has been like uh, the Swiss Army knife of, of centers around the league. I mean, how many different wingers has he played with? 120 something. Oh, <laughs> I, I have no idea how many wingers he's played. with. I, I thought I read or heard that somewhere that he's had like 122 different wingers in his career or something crazy like that. I mean, yeah. <sighs> It's off the charts. They anytime they acquire somebody, somehow they always end up on David Krejci's line. Not Bergeron's. Not Bergeron's line. No, no, no. David Krejci. Oh yeah, we just brought in this cardboard cutout. David, he's gonna play on your left wing. Okay. <laughs> in in a lot of ways, he's really comparable to Evgeny Malkin there because every time they bring in someone to play with Sidney Crosby, he somehow ends up on Evgeny Malkin's wing. Um. And it almost doesn't matter to either one of them uh, who it is they end up playing with. They just go out and get stuff done. Yeah. I, I It's not happening. and uh, It's not happening. It's ridiculous and uh, pointless to even have the conversation. I, I, that's, and that's just the way it is. Fair enough, and but uh, all of this just caps the fact that Buffalo and and Buffalo's not going to be going anywhere either, unfortunately. I uh, mean, unless they get unless someone decides to buy them from the Pagulas and move them to uh, Quebec, then they're not. Otherwise, they're not going anywhere. And I, I don't mean, think the NHL would let that happen. The New York Post article that I got all this that I got a lot of this information from is literally titled Sabres fans rejoice in firing of GM. Eh. I can understand why if some of them have been upset by, by it, uh, or excited by it, but who the heck is Kevin Adams? What has he done? Seriously, where's his pedigree? What's his resume? You're you're asking the wrong guy because I've been trying to find out about him, and all I know is that he's like a senior vice president or something. But then again, you just you just fired everybody else. He's the only one left in the building at this point. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's uh, there's ticket uh, there's ticket uh, checkers who have probably been there longer than anyone in the front office at this point. 
Um, the ushers downstairs taking you tickets. Some of them are probably had better hockey sense than uh, one or two of the. Actually, Kevin Adams spent almost uh, two years as a Buffalo assistant coach. And back in uh, 2011 uh, through 2013. He, he was promoted from senior vice president of business administration to general, general manager. manager. Making uh-huh. him the third GM in the last six years. Uh-huh. Senior I, vice president of business administration. So he's a paper pusher. He, I mean, that, it's not a nice way to put it, but I mean, he's not he's not involved in the decision making, and yeah, now so, he and now he's the final say. <laughs> so uh, effectively, his last hockey job was ended in 2013. Almost that's seven years ago. Um. Because his I, la- I mean, according to Cap Friendly, his last real hockey job, uh, or at least as a staff position, was assistant coach to the Buffalo Sabres from August of 2011 to May of 2013. So he yeah. hasn't. He he he, he hasn't been. I'm not saying that he doesn't go to the games. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he, he doesn't does, go to the games. I'm not saying he doesn't watch the games. I didn't even say he doesn't understand the game itself. He's a, he's a former player, so. That said, um, what's his understanding of, I don't know, the different player rivalries, uh, what's going on with uh, development in Finland versus uh, the Czech Republic versus the USHL. Um, what do we expect from those pro- out of those programs in the next two to three years? Um, do we know which players are discontented in the Central Division and the Metropolitan Division who we might be able to work trades with? Those things are a little bit important. It's and as senior vice president of business, whatever, doesn't sound like it was exactly in his purview. One of the one of the tweets listed in, in or shown in Larry Brooks article. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This isn't Larry. This is Molly Walker. Every time I see a New York Post story, I think Larry Brooks, but hey, for Molly Walker, yeah. Molly Walker, uh, you know, it says Sabres fans were thinking of that one on two. Um, according to a tweet, Ryan O'Reilly trade sealed this guy's fate, completely gutted the Sabres. But didn't the Ryan O'Reilly trade happen like, like a, a year ago, a, like a season and a half ago or something? I mean, if the, if it really gutted them, shouldn't you have made the move then? Look, we didn't want this guy gone. I mean, I think Ryan O'Reilly wanted out of town because like Eichel, I'm sure he was tired of losing all the time. And clearly, Ryan O'Reilly is one of the top three two-way forwards in the game, along with, I don't know, some guy named Patrice and, and another guy named Anze. But, um, so you moved on from here. I just, 
but yes, he being the Conn Smythe winner, winning the Stanley Cup, it makes it look even worse. Then you move on from Evander Kane because you can't get him to resign. Then you got Robin Leonard, and and we rehash this all the time. Then you got Robin Leonard, who in the law it says in the locker room that you know sick and tired people need to be putting forth a better effort. Uh, not calling anybody out by name, but calling players out. And if there was anybody on the team at the time who had the chops to the the cachet to do that, it was certainly Robin Leonard, uh, who is as hardworking as it, it, and with everything else that he has to deal with, let alone just hockey in general and being a goaltender. You lose him, you've left yourself with a shell of a team with a couple of stars. One big star, one rising star. Uh, a, a few, there's not much uh, to this franchise, and yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is there. there there's nothing there. Without there's a very, very little there. Okay, any any form of teardown is is effectively going to be complete teardown. Even yes. if you only trade Ristolainen and Skinner, that still leaves basically Jack Eichel and a bunch of other guys who it'll take three or four, three to six of to match his salary. If you send Risto to a half decent, if you send Risto to a team with a half decent defense. Okay. You're going to see, see the better Risto line and not the one that plays in Buffalo all the time because Risto line into LA. Give him two years under Drew Doughty. He's not going to, he's not going to be paired with Drew though. He's going to be second. Doesn't, line. Almost doesn't matter. Give him but two years with Drew Doughty able to fill his ear. If he doesn't – yeah, Drew Doughty who has how many Stanley Cups? Two? Yeah, okay. Um, that would be awesome. And then not being – on top of that, not being the 27-minute-a-night guy. Yeah, if he drops back to 21 minutes a night and can daily pick the brain and have his ear filled by a – Certainly a guy who's going to get his number retired in L.A., whether he goes to the Hall of Fame or not. And that's a discussion for a different day. Well, um, we're talking Norris Trophy nothing, winning, two-time nothing. Stanley Cup winning defenseman. Can do nothing but improve. the. It, it can improve Ristolainen. Um, I mean, you could theoretically send him to uh, to Tampa if they actually had room to put him somewhere. Um, or to Montreal uh, with, you know, Shea Weber. Um, I think the combination of Shea Weber and Claude Julien um, as mentor and coach for him would be kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, one or two other cities he could land in that might, uh, that might allow him to be turned around relatively quickly if he's willing to put in the work, which – 27 minutes a night says likely I, I, I might be exaggerating. I don't know if it's 27, no, but it's not. certainly it's been, it's been silly high for a couple, uh, a couple of years. It's, I was going to say, as far as I know, it's been minimum 25 a night. <laughs> and, and yeah, if you sent him, I mean, could you send him to Nashville, put him with Yossi and Ellis and Matthias, Matthias Ekholm. That's the guy I couldn't remember. I knew it eventually. Oh, coming. he was down to just under 25 minutes. And he, he's averaged just under 25 minutes a night in the last three years. Oh, okay. 25 minutes how, a night is still how many, obscene. 
How many how many seasons has Adeline been around now? Uh, two is it? I think it's two. Oh, okay. So that might have something to do with it. I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, someone else who can actually skate on the <laughs> ice is always useful. You think? Yeah. I, yeah, if I were a GM, I'd almost rather be doing the, the, the rebuild in, in Ottawa than in Buffalo. Uh, the rebuild is largely in place. It's more a matter of the development and keeping and keeping uh, the ta- keeping that talent and then augmenting it with one or two key signings. Well, yeah, hanging on to Duclair, hanging on to Kachuk, hanging on to they, they've already given Shabbat an extension, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're right. It's. Uh, yeah, they they and and the fact that like you, as you pointed out, nine draft picks, a team that's rebuilding and restocking their front, nine draft picks. Buffalo, a team that should be there, two draft picks. In yeah, uh, let's see. So who's so who's made the mistake here is the question. <laughs> I, I I will go back uh, to what I said earlier in our conversation today about the Sabres Mm -hmm. this is an ownership failure and I should should the Pagoulas Pagoulas sell the team is there is there is there a tension split having having both the 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 Sabres and the Bills that's their focus split that may be part of the equation but honestly it feels to me more like they're over were involved versus uh, two hands off. Okay. Um, as far as being forced to sell, um, technically one team is in Terry's name and the other team is in Kim's name. And I. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's yeah. Still. It, it's still a load of legal horse mucky because I as far as I can tell both uh, the involvement is probably the same for both because I want to say that the bills have had a good amount of uh, name changes in key positions I mean this team is and you look at cap friendly this team is is clearly uh, subpar this is the end of the line for like 60% of the players on the roster. Oh, you're absolutely. About, you're talking about Michael Froelich, Sam Reinhardt, Jimmy Vesey, Zemgus Gergensen, Zion Larson, Dominic Cahoon, Victor Olofsson, and Curtis Lazar. Oh, and Wayne Simmons, all some manner of free agent at the end of this current season. How many of them are you going to attract back? I mean, uh, Dominic Cahoon has has had a calendar noteworthy season, and yes, some of that time was uh, did occur in in the Buffalo uniform. Yeah, mostly Chicago, but yeah, Victor Olofsson at the be you know for part of the season, a good part of the season was being considered in the. Uh, but those are both. I mean, I get it. Those are both restricted free agents. But Victor they Olson have, was considered in the Calder in the Calder race for a good portion of the season. 
I don't know much about Curtis Lazar, uh, Jimmy VC. Lazar has banged around for a little while. Um, I don't know that he's going to have quite as many options, even though they're both uh, arbitration eligible. Of the um, players listed, only two players are over 30. Frolik and Simmons. VC's 27, Reinhardt's 24, Gergensen's, who sounds like he's been around forever, but Zemgis is, is only 26. Oh, well, 26, but he started playing in the league like his first or I second year after eight. his draft. I also, yeah, I think he was like 18 or so. Uh, yeah, he's, he's drafted he's in there 2012. He may well be the most tenured player in the in the system at this point. 2012. Uh, he, he might be when, the guy. Depends on when Ristolainen was. <laughs> but yeah, I get. What no, Ristolainen is like two years younger. Um, no, really? well, Jake McCabe was drafted uh, in 2012 as well. Um, but it doesn't, I don't think he was signed. Uh, he wasn't signed right away. Ristolainen is another one of those guys been around forever, but he's only 25 years old, like you said. Uh, Cahoon's 24, Olofsson's 24, Lazar's 25. They have a young team, but at the end of this particular, at the end of this current season, and since they're not playing in the, in the, the new wave playoff the new system, playoffs, yeah. now, uh, their now. system is over. So yeah, they're all some manner of free agent now, basically. They have five UFA free agent, uh, forwards five. Yep. No matter what happens. This roster is not going to look no matter what happens with the RFAs. This roster is going to have turnover. That's effectively two lines gone uh, that are potentially gone. I think they'll probably get VC resigned. It's just a hunch. Um, I hey Chris. Do you remember back in way back in time when everyone was clamoring for Jimmy VC in Boston? Oh, I remember that he. Made what? this big splash that he wasn't going to sign with where whoever had drafted him and he was going to be a free agent. He went through his four years at Harvard and he was his services to the highest bidder. And yeah, that thud you hear is the end of that big uh, media splash. Yeah, I. There were some people in Boston who said, yeah, no, pump the brakes on that one. Yeah, um, there were. Uh, I, I don't remember who those guys were. If any of our listeners can tell us, uh, please hit us with a tweet. Um, I mean, this is a guy who's who was originally dra- he was originally drafted by Nashville and said he wasn't going there. Right. Nashville is one of the fastest growing cities in the country with. You know, entertainment, technology, companies moving there. Um, at the time, they were on the way up. They weren't. They weren't the. They weren't in the situation they're in now. They were. They were a rising star. They were potential. Yeah, they were growing. It wasn't like they were suddenly a perennial playoff contender, but they were rising, and and he didn't want to go there, and I, he just wanted to be like in New York basically is what it came down to. Yeah. And that's where he ended up signing. I think he would have taken either, uh, either the Islanders or Rangers and possibly uh, the devils as well. 
yeah. So, um, what else do we have to talk about this week? Uh, Time-wise, um... Oh, actually, there is one thing I want to talk about. Uh, it won't take too long. That's um, but I think it's uh, I think it's something that actually leads to something fascinating that I did not know. Um, it's slightly off topic, but also on topic. Um, Evander Kane, Akeem Elu, Joel Ward, and uh, other notable NHL players have gotten together uh, to fight racism in hockey. Um, as most of you probably remember, Akeem Lou was subject to some pretty severe hazing and, uh, his, uh, coming forward about, uh, one coach's, uh, misbehavior, uh, is what led to that coach being, fi- uh, led to a coach firing and a couple of other interesting dismissals, um, that were never really explained. Um, this is a big thing. Um, Evander Kane is not particularly known for keeping his mouth shut. Um, no. And I happen to <laughs> wonder, I happen to wonder if this is going to do his career any good long term. I think short term, it's safe. Um, Joel Ward is uh, recently retired, and uh, I think some of you will remember. Uh, the Twitter storm of racist nonsense that uh, broke out when he scored a playoff goal against uh, Boston uh, a few years back while playing, I believe it was for the Capitals. Um, I'm aggressively ambiguous about this foundation. Uh, I've been a hockey fan my entire life. I've gone to... Uh, games across New England. We've gone. Most recent game for us was out in Worcester uh, at the um, DCU Center. We watched the uh, ECHL. Um, also, the it's the city that's home to uh, Joyner Lucas uh, and. Uh, now there. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say they're operating independently of the NHL. This isn't an NHL. Uh, Organization, yes. Run or they, you know, they, there are no NHL fingers in pies except for the fact that it's seven players. Uh, yeah, they the organization or the the diversity with alliance. What do they call themselves? Yes. The Hockey Diversity Alliance. So they named Evander Kane and oh, yeah, Akeem Aliu. They they were named co-heads of the organization Which- by. By Trevor Daly and, and Matt Dumba and Wayne Simmons and Chris Stewart and Joel Ward, who I guess just recently retired. Yeah, and here's the mo- one of the most interesting things about that: Evander Kane is still a young guy. He's going to be visible in hockey and around hockey for easily another six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Arguably, it could be another ten years. I mean, and. As a guy who is not the shy retiring type, probably going to hear about it. He's not going to let this die. He's absolutely not going to let this die. Um, I, I I both want to see some of the younger uh, players 
um, get involved in this and don't want to see some of the younger players get involved in this. Um, because I'm somewhat being a student of history. Mm-hmm. I'm somewhat afraid of the backlash that could take place. I mean, for all of the NHL talks about, you know, how inclusive they are and how, um, well, they are, they, how are, they don't uh, tolerate stuff. They are long? forming an inclusion council, the executive inclusion council in the um, NHL. And the player inclusion committee and the fan inclusion committee and the youth inclusion committee. They're, the NHL is trying to get everyone involved. So here's the thing, though. Um, how many years ago was it that uh, Brian Burke's son um, died in a car accident? It was oh, it was 2010. Yeah. February 5th, 2010. So 10 years and several months, almost immediately after his brother formed the You Can Play uh, Foundation that was uh, that, you know, was brought into place to talk about um, uh, gay, uh, bisexual, whatever um, players in hockey. Here's the thing. Ten years later, we've seen in the ultra – I mean, hockey players are brutally tough. In the NHL – in the NFL – in and in basketball, we've had players, some still well playing, some prior to making the league, um, talk about being gay. Have not heard in 10 years, in 10 years, one single hockey player uh, acknowledge the topic at all. I could I, I could expand I could expand that and say how you know with the exception of uh, Michael yeah and and I, I apologize for not remembering his name there was a kid drafted in the seventh round a few years ago who was the first openly gay football player and and came out of it came out to his teammates and everybody else and and it was either the Niners or the Seahawks that took a chance on him in the seventh round. Uh, Texans somewhere I know who down you're talking southwest. about. I cannot remember his name in, in particular. Um, but he was. But I mean, that was, was the last time you heard. Of, that was the last time. That was the last time I had heard mention of it in football. Either it, it's just. I understand where you're coming from. The 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 idea of inclusion and openness and, and understanding, and yet there still isn't mention of these topics. So. Clearly, all that inclusion hasn't um, quite reached the level of. Okay. I'll call it. I, I, I'll say. I, I want to believe that the NHL is clearly making efforts and and doing all they can for this idea of inclusion. I want to see it. I, I I want to see it. Um, I see a lot of 
motions and probably lip service. And that's what worries me right there is that that's what everybody's going to see or hear or that's what it's the biggest fear is that that's what it ends up being is lip service and nothing changes. I mean, let's let's look at Joshua Hosang. We both like very much. Love him as a player. Uh, Interesting personality. He's uh, mixed race. Um, Do you genuinely believe that the only reason he's not had more NHL exposure is because he what? picked a number from a famous player uh, from oh, another team basically before he was anywhere near, near the NHL. Um, and wore it for the specific reason of honoring that man. A person who had no issue with him wearing the number. Yeah, and, and Mario had no issue with it. <laughs> um, you didn't hear Mario complaining that he was wearing the number. It was... Uh, Fans and journalists, to use yeah. the term uh, very, loosely. very loosely. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't the owner of the number or the 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 owner of the number that made it famous. Had no problem with what he was that he was wearing. Josh Hosein came out and said, "I wear it to honor Mario," and the greatness and the the exploits that he's achieved and and whatnot and and still ended up having to change his number um which was wrong i think he should have stuck with it but. it was absolutely wrong but given what we've seen of the nhl over the years mm-hmm. and admittedly i've not experienced any problems directly myself i've had locker room access when i've asked for it here in boston um, if I, I'm sure if I wanted, uh, ECHL access and stuff like that, I could go do it. Um, we had I've locker seen, room access at development camps. Yeah. Um, but the specter is there. I, I don't for a minute believe that guys like PK Subban and Wayne Simmons haven't experienced issues, even though they have been big name stars. And I'm talking about both within the NHL and its development leagues as where, you know, Josh Hosang and Evander Kane uh, and Akeem Alou have all been public about running into uh, hazing. Um, admittedly, that initiation behaviors are fairly well, fairly extensive, but some of them have been uh, a little bit, um, possibly targeted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope this does well. I, I, I really, really hope we're going to see more decent behavior from human beings going forward. Um, but I, I, my biggest worry is a backlash. Uh, even, even above the eventual slippage. Um, a backlash, from, a backlash from who? Owners, uh, might fans. Be owners. It might be other players. It might be, it might even be you know companies who don't wish to endorse 
uh, a team or that has one of those players or those players themselves, despite being highly visible personalities with uh, large followings. Because love him or hate him, you know exactly who Evander Kane is uh, oh, yeah. if you're an NHL fan. You, you can't not. Um, he plays in one of the biggest cities or biggest metro areas in North America. It's his fourth city, partly because one of the teams moved. Um, but you can't not know who he is. Um, and he's not and he's not shy about um, getting his anything. message out there. Literally or anything any, or anything <laughs> else. I was gonna say, not shy about getting his message out there. But, yeah, he's pretty much just not shy. <laughs> uh, the fascinating thing, which brings up yet more Except history for- that makes it, it makes it really interesting to me, is that because of the current uh, domestic events, um, Ryan Reeves reached out to Evander Kane to end their feud that's gone back to 2017. It's been a little um, while, yeah. About being involved uh, in the uh, in the diversity alliance, and I hadn't realized it. I may, uh, but do you know who uh, Ryan Reeves' great grandfather was? Was? Yes. No. Ah, uh, Bass Reeves. Uh, most of you who know the name are well familiar with the fact that he is the man historians point to as being the inspiration for the Lone Ranger. Huh. Yes, I found that really interesting. It may or may not have been something that I've run across before. Uh, First black deputy U.S. Marshal west of the Mississippi River. Yeah. <laughs> Worked in Arkansas and the Oklahoma Territory. Sorry, I can't take credit for knowing this. I'm reading it off of Wikipedia because I didn't know who this man was. Uh, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's the real deal. Um, uh, and it, it it's does an say here, Reeves' great, Reeves' great, great, great grandson. So three generations of great. Great, great, great grandson is National Hockey League player Ryan Reeves. Now they it's spelled differently. Bass Reeves is two E's, R E E V E S. But um, he was great uncle of Paul L. Brady, who became the first black man appointed as a federal administrative law judge in 1972. Um, he died of nephritis, Bright's disease. It's called on January 12th. He was once himself charged with murdering a posse cook. At his trial before Judge Parker, Reeves was represented by former U.S. Attorney W.H.H. Clayton, who was a colleague and friend, and Reeves was acquitted. I, yeah, and it does say that he's the subject of season two, episode four of Gunslingers, the real Lone Ranger. I, I had no idea. Wow, that's OK. Learn something new every day. I love it. Um, there's, uh, there's a couple of interesting articles on the, uh, quashing of the, uh, beef between the two. And I would go out and take a quick look at them. Um, it would be scary if they ended up being on the same team together. Mm, yeah, that, 
that would not be fun for the opposition. Exactly um, what I was saying. Yes, I'm not talking about for the two of them. I'm talking about for whoever has to play against them. Uh, James O'Brien uh, pointed uh, had uh, put a great article together on the 15th uh, for NBC uh, NHL on NBC uh, Sports. Um, I would take a look at that article. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, has uh, has a couple of the videos of their scraps. Um, and of course the picture of back Bass Reeves, uh, via, uh, via wiki. Um, I think we've now covered everything that we actually expected to cover, uh, or wanted to cover, uh, this year. Um, and of course we should mention that Ryan Reeves just got a two year NHL, a two year contract extension, uh, with, with the Vegas Golden Knights. He did tweet out, I'm back. I remember seeing that not too long ago. So, uh, Good for him. Uh, good for them. And bad for bad for Pittsburgh. <laughs> sorry. Yep. Sorry. Just another just another screw up under. I, I'm pretty sure it was under Rutherford. But uh, how you could turn that guy away when you. Well, I, hey, I mean, he was too tough for a team that needed oh, to get that, tougher. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Too okay. tough. Fair enough. Oh, I do need to make one more statement, and, and I did write it down from last week. Uh, last week, I did make a statement that uh, Detroit probably should trade or move on after the CU, clearly knowing that he had been traded at the deadline, but not remembering that. Uh, he was traded to the Oilers at the trade deadline. Um, so I apologize to everybody for the misinformation. Shame. Shame. I know. Shame. I'm feeling the shame. I am. I'm feeling the shame. I've got my okay. red ass. I've got my red ass on. Oh, wait. Or is that the Superman logo? <laughs> uh, they're about the same thing, honestly. Okay, so I believe that gives us everything we need to talk about this week. Uh, nicely uh, packaged up. Um, as always, uh, definitely reach out to us. Um, Twitter is the best place to get a hold of me at the, at this point. Um, at Puck Sage, uh, I do check in like every day, every other day. Um, Chris, uh, on, on Twitter at the off wing and I do check on, on it just about every day, at least once just to see what's going on. Although, not a lot of hockey being talked on there. No, there's a lot of those other topics that we mostly manage to avoid. Uh, yes. With varying levels of decorum. Absolutely. And in many cases, completely absent decorum. And just so everybody knows, I'm officially crossing Jason Botterill's name off my general manager list. Just the latest in a bunch of changes I've had to make, so... <laughs> Uh, awesome. So next week, uh, we'll be back. Uh, we are going to kick off our draft discussions. Um, still draft not entirely discussion. sure when the draft is going to be, uh, sometime in November, October, <laughs> <laughs> sometime after today, the draft will definitely be sometime after today. Uh, but we have our, uh, we have our first draft guide. We will probably pull out Another one in the next few days um, as they become available. And we're going to talk about guys up and down the draft and what we think, what we like. Uh, 
Ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for listening and take care.